USA, USA, USA. I mean, I love soccer. Well, on the one hand, it's the reason why I need a hip replaced. Because when I was 15, I thrashed my hip, and now it turns out I need a hip replaced. So soccer, don't love that. But I do love watching the game. And we've got some soccer people. You know, Kim, yeah, Kim Beer's got a jersey on. Michael Moorfield, he's a gamer. He's a baller. Other soccer players in the house? Maybe some kids? Yeah. So um, that's what I'm doing today. And here's why I like sports. I'm not a stat statistics person. I'm not a, um, you know, let me find the hero kind of person. I like the stories. I like the story. So the U.S. soccer team, you know, he's, uh, they're going to Brazil. They're kind of like, they call them, well, they're not really minnows. They call Costa Rica a minnow and a, and a tank of sharks. But, but, you know, U.S. is still not a shark on the world scene. But they beat Ghana, which was big. We didn't beat them in the last World Cup. And um, now we play Portugal, one of the best teams in the world. And we got a shot. And so I'm going to watch that this afternoon. It's going to be great. And I'm going to follow the story. Um, and we like stories. We like the underdogs. We like it when people go to like a new place and they've got to figure it out and try to beat the odds. So sports is one way. Movies are another way. So we all love movies, don't we? And so we're going to do a little exercise. It's okay if it's a little chaotic. It's okay if you shout out a little bit. I'm going to show you a picture. I'm not quite sure how far to turn back the clock, but we're going to turn it back. And we're going to look at some of these uh, movies together. So first slide, please. Anybody know this movie? This is turning the clock back. Not Little Tramp. Gold Rush. Gold Rush. Old Charlie Chaplin goes to Alaska. Next one. Oh, come on. That's an easy one. That's a softball. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I was in Kansas. It looks just like that. Okay. Next one. Where's Tom Ricks when you need him? The Searchers. Probably the best John Wayne movie. It's good. It's really good. In fact, Tom, I, I've, I've seen almost every John Wayne movie except this one. And Tom's like, what? I'm like, well, I'm sorry. You know, so I go to the library, I check it out. I'm like, yeah, that one's pretty good. All right, next one. Okay, where's Kareen? I want to hear you belt out, the hills are alive, because I can't do it. All right, uh, next one. Oh, the chariot race. Wait, that was epic when that came out, right? I mean, had anybody, did, no one even seen that. No one's ever seen that before, you know? All right. Red five standing by. That's Luke. Yeah. All right, next. Oh, yeah, 1985. It's phenomenal. Next. Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, we're in the 90s now. You know, if you're younger, it's getting easier. Next. If you're older, it's getting harder. Yeah, that's the flip side. All right. And we know that one because they're coming out with the sequel, you know, and you got to make that money. So, you know, you cash in, you make the sequel. All right, next. Okay. What do all these characters have in common is they take a journey. They're on the outside looking in. In a way, we might say they, they're wandering. So the title of this sermon is not all who wander or lost. And we're using wander kind of broadly because we needed a slick title and it makes a great graphic. I mean, hey. Um, it comes from the Lord of the Rings. Um, it's spoken about this guy. Oh, Aragorn. That's my guy. Love that dude. All right, on the left, Aragorn's a ranger on the one hand. He's on the outside. He's got to learn how to hunt his own meat. 
handle a sword and fight off all kinds of guys that might jump him. He knows the borders of the land. He travels all the time. He's rugged, you know, but he's, he's actually the heir to the throne. He's a king. And he's trying to get back there. It's just not his time yet. He's on the outside. He's on the outside, and he's kind of wandering. And so this verse is spoken about of not all who wander are lost. And, of course, by the end of the, sh- the, end of the movie, the story resolves. And, and that's what we're saying today. There's a story going on. There's a, there's a story going on for Aragorn. And, and you see by the end of the movie and the end of the book, what have you, Aragorn does indeed become king. And he's actually a better king because he wanders. He's got lots of friends in lots of places. Because he wandered. So God was writing his story. And so what are we saying? How do we, you know, understand this for our lives? Well, I think it's a broad concept. So uh, let's say I'm junior high. As uh, seventh grade. So where I'm from, junior high starts in seventh grade. And so you leave elementary school, and then you're like a minnow in a pond of sharks, right? And you walk into the doors. You walk in, and there's a heater right when you walk into the doors. And it's about this high. And it, and it was about eight feet long and about, I don't know, a foot or two uh, deep. And it was against the wall. And you walk in those doors, and on that heater, and crowded around that heater, was the crowd. Remember that song, I'm in, with the in crowd? You know? So the in crowd was sitting on this heater. And you've got your quarterback types, you know, your cheerleader types, you know, your basketball player types, your good-looking kids who are not wearing braces and, like, really awkward like I was. And, and it's like, man, you walk in, like, first day, you're like, whoa, who are those people? And I know I can't, you just can't just go sit on that heater, and you're going to get kicked off. It's like a wolf pack. You know what I mean? Someone's going to flip you over and bite you. Um, anyway, I remember that feeling of, of how do I, I mean, and you knew that, you know, kind of like where you were in proximity to the heater, that was the pecking order. You know, that's one example. Maybe you live on the outside of Kirkwood. That can feel a little weird. Am I right? And Kirkwood, they told me before I took the job, it's like, by the way, Kirkwood is a cult. I'm like, what? And I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it that far. But I, it's just like Kirkwood is really like, you know, it's like the in crowd is in Kirkwood. And some would say St. Louis in general is sort of that feeling. You know, the, where did you go to high school? It's kind of like, let me peg you. Are you on the inside or on the outside? And how many of us have felt on the outside? We don't fit in. I lost my job. My parents don't understand me. I didn't get what I wanted for Christmas. My brother did. Right? There's a, there's a bully in PE class who's making me feel about this big. I can't make the sports team no matter how hard I try. I'm on the outside. I'm on the outside. Well, through the sermon series, we're going to learn what God has to say to those who feel that way. We're going to see that God relates uh, in a special way to those who are having a hard time. So if you're having a hard time, it doesn't matter what it is, if you're having a hard time, if you're four, five, six, seven, eight, or 78, God relates to us in a special way. God actually provides and, and guides and helps for those who are on the outside. So, you know, we, this is a concept that I had to wrestle with for a long time. You know, we preachers, we don't just like, boom, we get it, you know? You pick a passage, and you're like, okay, you spend about, I don't know, for me, it was about 30 hours figuring it out. Like, how does this relate to my life? And I don't know. And actually, the first thing I thought of as I read the passage we're about to read is I thought of my backyard. And uh, something went down in my backyard that's going to relate to uh, the passage. So we're going to cue the video, and I apologize in advance. The quality's poor. That's my fault. 
like going in circles? You want to go fast? Get your helmet on? All right. All right, Chasey. Hold it for me like that. Oh, watch your fingers. Aw, oh, man, that video just That's took right. it. It's all right. You get right like that. Hold it like that. All right. All right, Abby, you ready? Let's give a hand for my test pilot, Abigail, and my cameraman, Chase, and uh, my iPhone 4, which doesn't take a video worth a darn. Um, so what we have here in my backyard is this really cool tree. It's an oak tree, and it's providing this little oasis for me in my backyard, a little bit of shade. You know, and I had the rope. I borrowed the ladder, and the tree is perfect. So, you know, I put up that rope swing in the pitch dark at a windstorm. And Karen's like, I'm not going to watch you break your neck. But what do you know, a half hour later, she's like, can I try the swing? And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Anyway, so, um, so it's providing this little place of delight for my daughter and for me. It's just so fun. And what's the thing that Abby wants to do once the ride uh, comes to the stop, or the swing comes to a stop? Daddy, please, can we do it again? Can we do it again? Took my son to Six Flags a few uh, weeks ago, and we, we rode a very jarring, like neck-breaking roller coaster, and Chase wanted to do it again. So it doesn't matter what it is. What if it's a cookout, you know, the Memorial Day cookout, or the wedding? Where's the Rolfings? You know, the wedding. They, they went to this wedding that, you know, you said it was pure bliss. It was pure delight. I didn't want it to stop. You know, their son got married. It was just a beautiful, it was in Michigan, and the weather was perfect. The preacher was perfect. He had his bow tie on and everything. I mean, it was just a great day. And, and it doesn't matter what it is, when we do experience these, these, these wonderful days, the cookout, the, the holiday, the Christmas time, or, you know, the fun time, you catch a bunch of fish, you want to do it again. I just want to do it again. We want to have delight always available to us. It's, it's, it's always there. I want it. But that's not reality, is it? We can't stay in that perfect, delightful place. Trees blow down in windstorms. You know, ropes wear out. You got to go to work. You got to go to school. You got relational difficulties. Maybe you have a great, a great date in your marriage. It's been a long time since you had a great date, and it was awesome. And then, you know, it's not Saturday night anymore, and you're not having a filet mignon anymore. You know, you're eating oatmeal or whatever, and life is hard, and the bills are piling up. And it's like, ugh, man, we, we just go back to being in a difficult place. We just can't stay in that place of delight. Well, uh, the scripture has something to say to us about that because this is exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. And so if we can go to the next slide, please, and read the scriptures. Oh, well, there's the map. Uh, we can go back to the map. Why not? It's there. So Garden of Eden is where we start our journey in the sermon series. And uh, little apple, you know, Peggy, was that Peggy? Adding the apple. Uh, kind of like symbolizing. We're going to make the journey around the Holy Land as we talk about each character each week. And now we're talking about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work, the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and the woman at the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way uh, to guard the way to the tree of life. This is God's holy word. We do not live by bread alone, the Bible says, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can we say that together? We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm going to ask God for help, so please join me in prayer. God of the universe, creator, amazing God, merciful Father, help us to understand and use the truth that you have for us in this passage. Father, I need your help to be faithful to my task, to be clear, and above, and above everything else, to glorify you alone. God, you know my words are just words tainted by my own weakness, but your word is living and powerful and true, the very food for our souls. Help us, we cry, to hear and apply your word. I pray in the name above every name, Jesus, my Lord. Amen. Okay, so at this point, you might be saying, hey, Nathan, you're talking about swinging from trees in the World Cup and movies and, and, you know, the Garden of Eden. How does this all fit together? I mean, you laid out these, like, puzzle pieces. You know, how does that all fit together for my life? How do I make sense of this uh, passage? And I think the main idea is kind of our instruction sheet. This is the main idea of the sermon today. It's that sin blocks the way. Sin blocks the way. The reason why I feel like this is the main idea, or I'm pretty sure it's the main idea, is when God says something twice in three verses, when the Bible's saying something a couple different ways, it wants us to get it. There's no going back into that garden. There's just no going back into that place of delight. That's the place, if you remember, where God put the man and the woman. Remember, God created Adam and Eve, and he said, everything is awesome. This is great. This is my creation. It's good. And then when he made man and woman, he said, this is very good. This is very good. Work the ground, fill the earth, walk with me in the cool of the day. They were in fellowship with God and with one another. And they just did not listen to the word of God. He said, don't eat of that tree. I'm going to define what is good and evil for you. Just listen to my voice. Just trust me. I'm going to define what's good and evil for you. And the serpent comes along, deceives the woman, says, did God really say? Oh, God just doesn't want you to be like him. Eat the fruit. Eve doesn't listen to God. She listens to the serpent. Adam doesn't listen to God. He listens to his wife. So what we're talking about is the rebellion, the fall. That's what's important about this language. We like the language of rebellion, not so much the fall. I can fall for a number of reasons. Someone can push me. I can trip. It can be an accident. And I can kind of, it kind of, it kind of feels a little passive. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the times we know the right thing. We know what is right, and we don't do it, or we do something else. You think about your life. Aren't there times, children, aren't there times when you just know the right thing? You just know the right thing that mommy says, don't, don't touch that, and you touch it. Don't eat that, and you eat it. You know, sneaking and hiding and stealing and 
You see these little, little sins? It's like, ah, it's not really that important. What about at work? You know, it's not, it's not that important. It's just a couple bucks, just a decimal point or two. You know, you just know that it's just kind of wrong. You know what? I probably should call this person back. Eh, they're kind of annoying. Eh, I don't have the energy. Sometimes we speak when we should be silent. That's me. I'm, I'm more in that category. I, I tell staff that I work with that I have the sin of being a know-it-all. And um, I struggle with that one particularly, just running my mouth all the time. There are times I shut it, and I know that's the right thing, and I can't. There are other times when I should speak up, when I should be silent, need to show some courage, need to stand up for someone. A bully's taking on someone in your classroom. Why not stand up for that person? Why not protect that person? Why not stand up for your wife? Why not engage her? Why not, why not stand up for your husband? Why not engage him? So there are these times we're talking about willful, willful sin. And sin blocks the way. So what does this look like? Let's talk about Jeff. Well, let's go back. I did the same thing in the first service. I put the slide there, so I might as well use it. Okay, they hide. They hide. They sin. They grab some leaves. They cover themselves, and they hide. So why are they hiding? They're hiding from God, but they're also hiding from each other. Let me tell you about Jeff. I didn't have a picture, so I drew one. Can you tell? It's great. I was about nine years old, and I had this buddy. His name was Jeff. He lived down the street. Jeff is a solid, loyal friend. Not a churchgoer, as far as I know. I'm not sure if he's a believer or not. But he was just a solid friend, a really solid friend. And I'm at Jeff's house, and Jeff has a silver dollar. Right? Remember these? Are they still around? Yeah. Anyway, when, this, when I was a kid, you find one of these, it's like, whoa, that's not a quarter. It's not a half dollar. That's a dollar. That could buy a little, like, mini army commando at the grocery store machine. Could buy you a pack of gum. Could do a lot with that. And uh, I stole it from Jeff's house. We were hanging out at his house, and I stole it. And what's the first thing I wanted to do when I stole it? Get out of there. Spend it. I put that money in my pocket, kind of sneaky style. And it's kind of exciting. I get out of there. The store was about two miles from my house, and I had a bike. I jumped on that bike, and it was kind of like all downhill to the store. So I was like, mock speed to the store as fast as I can go. I can go to the store by myself. But hey, as you know, one sin sort of leads to another sin. You know? So I'm booking it to the store. I get to that store, and I'm looking for what my heart desires, and it's this, a pack of Hubba Bubba Hawaiian Punch gum. Mmm, it's sweet, it's sticky. Ah, it smells good. So I grab that gum, and uh, I'm looking over my shoulder. Did Jeff follow me? Is his parents here? Is my mom shopping? And I don't know. I grab that gum. I don't even make it out to my bicycle. And I just start tearing into it. You know, little bits of gum wrappers are falling out. I put a piece in my mouth. Mmm, that's good. You know? I unwrap another one, put it in my mouth. I destroy that pack of gum. I put the whole pack of gum in my mouth. Mmm, it's sweet, it's sticky, it's awesome. I get on my bike and I start riding home. And you know, cheap gum, you know, chemically laced, uh, cheap gum, uh, it doesn't last very long, you know? I think any gum doesn't last very long. Uh, Anyway, but uh, I'm chewing it, and all of a sudden it just starts to taste bad, and my jaw's starting to hurt. I pull my bike over, I spit the gum out, and I'm feeling like, Jeff, man, I just betrayed him, and I don't want to go to his house, and I don't want to go home, 
and I'm just feeling so alone. And, and I hope, friends, you can think about the things that you've done, students, you think about the things that you've done, how that makes you feel when you do, when you go against what your parents say. You just know you do it. Hide, sneak, lie, hurt your brother, sister, give them the punch when you shouldn't give them a punch, whatever it is. Adults, you know what I'm talking about. It's clear, it's clear as, but you know what's in your mind. We know, we know different ways that we sin against God, we sin against each other, and we just feel so alone. That's the kind of sin that we're talking about, and it blocks the way. It blocks the way uh, to delight. We feel ashamed. We want to hide. And uh, the resolve the story of Jeff, I didn't come clean. I went home and was like on the, on the sneak, and they found out. Jeff's mom called my mom, and uh, I had to go back, and I apologized. And this non-church-going household, you know what they did? Uh, one of the wonders of Jeff's house was a button maker. You know, those, those like old-school button makers, you plunge it down, and it puts the plastic over the little silver button, you know, you can, it's got a pin on it. You know what I'm talking about? And they made a button that said, we love you. And the money was gone. We love you. Hmm. Wow. All right, so uh, that's the story of Jeff, and that's what I did. Let's see what, how God... Uh, uh, how God works in the story of Adam and Eve. What happens when we're on the outside, we willfully sin. And, you know, of course, they, they, they have leaves. Right? Adam and Eve clothed themselves with leaves in order to hide. That's a fig leaf on your left. It's a pretty good size. Cover up your bits, I guess, if you need it. But uh, you know what happens to leaves come October, right? Like they shrivel up, they shrink, they're crinkly, they, they burn like nothing in the fire, right? And so, like, Imagine like you're all covered up and then you got to need to climb a tree or, you know, I don't know, hunt for a snake. They're just going to crumble up and you're not going to be covered anymore. What does God do? Next slide, please. Uh, uh, God uh, clothes them with skins and skins are useful. Can we go back to the uh, slide that says um, uh, God cares? So what we see in, in God's response to sin is that God still cares. When you turn away from the author of life, God, the God's the one who gives you life, who gives you everything, and you kind of like put the shutoff valve and do your own thing, I think, I mean, maybe I'm thick in the head, but I think God has every right to say, oh, you're done, bye-bye. And death does in, indeed enter the world. Do you ever think about why we die? And yet, most people, we've got a lifetime to consider this question, am I for God or am I against God? We have a lifetime to think about. Why am I not dead yet? And you might think, hey, well, what, is, what has God ever done for me, Nathan? Fine, Adam and Eve, he didn't make me any clothes. God hasn't given me anything. What has he done for me lately? Says the fish to the ocean. And I understand there's people here who hate their jobs. There's people here in very difficult marriages uh, whose kids are estranged and running wild. There's kids in here whose parents are mean to them. Right? There's, there's kids who struggle with, with uh, their position at school, who can't make the team, who can't make the grade, and that feels very lonely and, and frustrating, but still we ask, so where is God? What has he ever done for me? He doesn't give me what I want. And I, and I challenge us to consider, what are the good things in our lives? What are the good things in our lives? The, the, you know, yes, I might have a difficult relationship with this person, but you know what? I've got a great relationship with this person. You know what? I had like what I wanted to eat this morning. I got to go to the store and pick out whatever I wanted, and I got to eat, and I'm full. I'm not sifting through the garbage to eat. Now, there are people sifting through the garbage, but I still believe 
The sun shines and the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And every day, we get a chance to consider this question. What is God like? What's God like? Look at a sunset. That's what he's like. Right? A really good meal. That's what he's like. Maybe you've lost your sense of taste. I know some people, that's just terrible. I still think there's something. And there's people out there. I've got a friend who's uh, halfway paralyzed in a terrible accident. And I know he's hurting. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and say his life is great. I'm never going to tell him that. But he would say himself, God is still good, and he's still teaching me. There's enough grace. It's grace that I'm even alive. You can even take a breath. God provides. God provides. He cares. That's how he responds to us when we feel estranged on the outside. He's still providing. Remember, he's writing the story. He's writing your story. And he gives you what you need for the story. So skins are useful. Right? He gives them skins. They're useful. Leaves, not so useful. Native Americans, they made great use of skins. Eskimos use skins. You, you can travel. I mean, Aragorn, King, you know, Ranger Aragorn, he wore this like tunic, leather tunic, and it was all stained and stuff, but he could put it over his head and shelter the rain. I mean, in what ways has God given you what you needed for your journey? God provides. He cares, even when he could have wiped us out. I remember there was a, a time when I stayed up way too late, and I was a young driver, and it was a school night, and I was out with some friends way too late. The rain started to fall, the thunder started to do what it, it does, and I ran out of gas on the freeway. And I had to run to a payphone. Anybody remember those days? There used to be these phones, you'd put money in, and you'd call, we didn't have the cell phone thing, not yet. I had to run to a payphone. It was late, and I'd made a mistake, and I know that I did the wrong thing. My dad shows up. He sees I'm wearing sleeves like you're wearing, brother, you know, just like short sleeves. It's raining, it's thunder, it's cold. It's Seattle. The rain is cold in Seattle. My dad takes off his jacket, puts it on me. <clears throat> and like a boss, he gets my car going. He says, now go to bed. I love you. Think next time. See ya. That's what I'm talking about. Father puts his jacket on me, gives me what I need for my journey. That's what God does. He still cares. He still cares. Okay, but more than that, uh, God... Uh, Next slide, please. Uh, God still gives them a job to do. You notice there's uh, this job. Adam, you've got to work the ground. You've got to make your own food. I mean, you've got to take care of things. Eve, you've got to, you know, partner up with your husband, help him out, have babies, fill the earth. This is your job. And it's the same before in the garden, and it's the same after in the garden as well. Before and after. What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, I know that God gives us things to do, whether you're unemployed or employed or whatever, maybe you hate your job. He still gives us things to do. How about loving our neighbor? How about being good to our kids, our wives, our parents, our brothers, our sisters? God still gives us things to do. But here's the difference. I think here's a difference. And here's why we're talking about willful sin. Because you might say, Nathan, I don't have a job because the market stinks. You might say, Nathan, I'm on the outside because this person is pushing me there and I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm doing nothing wrong. Right? This person is just being mean, and, and, and it's unjust. And that's driving me crazy. This happens, right? This happens. The difference in the garden and out of the garden is this. In the garden, Adam walks with God, and he knows he has God's favor. Eve walks with God and knows she has God's favor. Outside of the garden, it's like Yoko the dog. Okay, We're going to talk about Yoko the dog. This is our dog. She's got issues. She's a rescue dog. Rescue dogs have issues, okay? And Yoko 
is like always looking for a veto, you know, on her life. She just doesn't know if you're okay with her. And, and Yoko, if I can look, if I look at Yoko crossways, uh, John, you know, if you look at Yoko the wrong way, um, Yoko's like, what, what? I mean, like, what? Because Yoko's like, I'm innocent. What did I do? But Yoko actually knows, you know, she poops in the basement all the time, you know? So Yoko might be innocent in this instance, but she's not innocent. You see, when we suffer, when we suffer, even if it's unjust, even if it's unjust, when we suffer, we're innocent. We might be innocent in that situation, but we're not innocent. What we lose when we willfully sin is the confidence. It's the knowing I have God's favor. Am I right? I mean, do you know when you're going through a hard time and you're like, I, I just think God hates me. Maybe there is no God. In fact, I reject, on your, I reject this God. I spit upon this God. He hates me. And, and if there was a God, I wouldn't like him because life is too tough. You see that separation. Sin blocks the way. Sin blocks the way. It blocks the way to blessing. It blocks the way to relationships with God, with other people, with confidence. That's what sin does. It blocks the way. And so when we suffer for any reason, whether our own sin, we run and hide, or someone else's, we're like, I just, I'm just on the outside. I just, I, I, I don't think God likes me. I, I just don't even know if, if God's even there. And this place I'm in, I don't think there's a story. There is no story. We die and that's it. That's the story. I just cannot live in a world like that, friends. I, I don't know about you. I just believe that there's a story. And I have seen my God provide for me and my family in the desert place. I have felt like I've been on the outside. And God provided for me in that desert place. But still, sin blocks the way. Let's check out these angels real quick. All right. On the left, this is Raphael, 15th century, maybe the 16th century, I think. And this is what I call like pudgy and frumpy. The angels, you know, pudgy and frumpy. Like, the cherubim are angels blocking the way. I don't think it's pudgy and frumpy blocking the way. I think it looks more like the shampoo model on your right. See, it's flowing like blonde hair in the sun. But I think that's closer to the mark. It says there's cherubim, which means more than one. And there's a sword. It says the sword turns to block the way. And the sword means death. The sword means judgment means there's no getting back there. So even the fact that we get a little bit of delight, the rope swing in the backyard, a good meal or whatever, that's great. That this is not going to last forever. And then on the other side of death, it's over. You have to pass through death, judgment. Who can do it? A uh, theologian by the name of Meredith Klein uh, said this, In that hour, God drove the man and the woman out. And God said that any future return and the tree of life uh, to, to God and the tree of life must involve a passage through the flaming sword of God's judgment. Only the champion seed, the champion son of the woman, must endure this. And friends, that's what the cross is. If you're tempted to say, God, where are you in my life? Where is the way? I invite you to consider the fact that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Because you see, Jesus became a curse. He redeemed us. He bought us. He paid, us, uh, he, he paid the penalty for sin to buy us back from death. 
from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus reopens the way. Jesus reopens the way. So on your journey, in your desert place, when you're feeling on the outside, when you're feeling like you're wandering, your way, friends, is Jesus. And I know that sounds kind of like out there. Like, can he really be that personal? Does he really know this personal struggle? I believe he does. He says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. I believe Jesus wants to show you what he's like, that he's writing the story, that death is not the final word on you, that being in a desert place is not going to last forever. You are going to grow up. You are going to uh, come into better times if you believe. God is writing the story, and I believe these hardships are intended to show us that Jesus is the way. And I know we have to wait sometimes, and I know that's difficult. So you need a church. You need people around you. You need to be encouraged. You need to hear good, good worship songs. You need to hear good preaching about Jesus. And I want to share, as I conclude, uh, something from my story. Remember Abigail and the tree swinging from in my backyard? When I was 25 years old, I left a place of my delight, uh, Seattle, Washington, and uh, I went on a journey. And um, from Washington to Boston, because I wanted to go to seminary in a faraway place. And this is a story, if you could flip back one slide, of a walnut tree. This is going to sound random. Oh, hang with me. This is a story of a walnut tree. So uh, to the map, please. So I go on this journey, and in the car is this. This looks like a pulpit, but it's two pieces. It's got some marks on it. It's been used. This is a Bible stand that sat on my dad's dresser. My dad was not a believer for a long time, and he found the Lord in a shower by himself. Is God real? If, if, <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen to that. If God can penetrate a hard-hearted sinner in a shower by himself, I believe my God is real. And a non-Christian in his life saw my dad was all excited about Jesus, and he had a Bible and everything, and the, and the, the non-Christian in my dad's life was a carpenter, a, a, a furniture maker, and made this Bible stand. And when I was leaving Seattle, I mean, it was really, it was really cool because, you know, my dad's Bible was like, back in the day, they, were, they weren't on, you know, neon screens. They were like that thick, you know? And it was boom. It was on this thing, and it was on his dresser. And I thought like, whoa, you know, that's like the holy of the holies in the house. You know, don't even touch it. But my dad read it, and he marked, marked up his Bible and all that. So this was important. So when I was leaving Seattle, my dad said, son, I want, I want you to have it. I, I just want you to have it. I said, gee, you know, thanks, dad. And I put it in the car and didn't think a whole lot of it at the time. And uh, so we trucked it to Massachusetts. Well, on the way, boom. Kareen was driving, a Massachusetts driver. They're not the greatest. Joe Wilmot knows what I'm talking about. Um, cut us off. We flipped over. We skidded on the roof. Came to a stop on I-90 on the freeway. That's the... Kareen crawled out of that window, and I was still kind of like phased. I was like in no man's land. She's like, wake up. Are you dead? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm just sitting here. She's like, get off the road. So we had to crawl out that window. We were fine. We were fine. But this was broken. This got broken. 
and I knew it was important, and, and I just kept it with me and uh, for a lot of years. Well, I come to Green Tree Community Church, and it was broken. I learned there's a man named Earl, Earl Hopper, who does these kinds of things. And I said, Earl, can you make that into a pulpit? Because I, I think it'd be meaningful. It's part of my story. This walnut tree, this is black walnut. That's what this is. So at one time it was a tree. A non-Christian got the wood, made it for my dad. It sat on a Bible stand, uh, on a dresser, and now it's a pulpit. This is part of my story where now I have the privilege with this pulpit to proclaim the way of life. And it's, it, it means a whole lot to me. And, and I found Jesus to be trustworthy and true and worthy of your trust no matter what you're going through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story. And God, it's difficult that you allow us to go through things. It's difficult that you let us suffer. I I can't understand that, and I I don't have that uh, as much in my life as others. And God, for those who are hurting right now, whose hearts are breaking, who are waiting, who are in a desert place and they're thirsty, I pray you'd show them what you were like. Father, I know that in this room there's kids who are having a hard time with their parents and their siblings. There are students in here who hate their schools and their friends. Uh, I know that there's parents and children that aren't getting along. I know there's spouses that aren't getting along. I know there's addiction in here, Lord. I know that there's willful sin and also just being caught up and entangled in things that we shouldn't be. Father, we confess them to you. Lord, I pray that we would have the courage to invite you into the story, into the pain. God, I pray we would trust that Jesus is our way. This time, I want to take a moment of silent reflection and confession. I would like you to connect your own story, your own troubles, your own problems. What you feel is uh, hindering your relationship with the Lord. And I'd like to uh, silently reflect, and then I'll call us back to order, and we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. So just about 20 seconds of silence. Please, if you would, uh, pray this prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.